0: Welcome to Coping with COVID-19, an editorially independent program from the editors of Modern Aesthetics Magazine and Practical Dermatology Magazine. In this episode, a panel of aesthetics experts discuss the legalities of mandating the COVID-19 vaccine for staff. Panelists include Drs. Michael Gold, Doris Day, Mark Nestor, Joel Schlesinger, Amy Taub, and special guest Dr. David Goldberg.
1: You know, it's, it's great to be at the uh, point where we're seemingly uh, past the main hurdles of COVID. Now we have to look at the uh, challenges that we face as employers. And, you know, that's something that we've confronted because we have uh, something like 120 employees of which about 110 now have been uh, vaccinated. Uh, in some form or another, so we had to work very hard to get those 110 out of 120 employees to accept the vaccine. So uh, many of them had misgivings about it, and what we did was to offer uh, two sessions where we talked to those employees. We, uh, we invited them to ask questions. We had uh, people that were available for those questions from our staff who were highly informed. I uh, shared articles with my staff members who were in our HR department to share them with the, uh, with the employees and make sure that they understood uh, the risks, the benefits, because some of these questions that we were getting were uh, legitimate questions that many people might not have understood. Like, what if I'm pregnant? What if I'm planning a pregnancy? What if I have allergies? So there were a lot of uh, pieces that we had to do to get from the point where initially we started and it was about a 50% rate of people that were willing to even think about getting the vaccine to where we got to right now where we have the majority of the staff members uh, either vaccinated or willing to be vaccinated at, at some point in the future when their time is ready.
2: So so you have t- so you have 10 in your out of your whole group that are not. So again the question then is what ha- what is, is is there anything you can do, should do, will do, or want to do to those ten to try to convince them to get vaccinated? Uh, I mean, what happens if one gets COVID? Um, what are you going to do?
1: Right, and so you know, there's a lot uh, that goes into that as far as what we're going to do to keep not only those those uh, employees safe but our uh, patients safe. So. Uh, for those employees who are vac- who are not vaccinated, and who can work from home, we're allowing them to work from home as long as it is not uh, Im- impeding our work or their work. Um, that's not that many. Most of them are, are work from uh, the office. Uh, the couple that are still unvaccinated, uh, or the, the majority of those who are still unvaccinated, are pregnant, um, and I, I don't think that I feel comfortable. Uh, insisting that a pregnant person get vaccinated. Uh, there's one who has uh, severe allergies and it's unclear whether she will be uh, accessible for the vaccine anyway, but uh, when she does it she wants to be in hospital, and we felt that was appropriate. And uh, then there are a couple of others who, for various reasons, they had upcoming events and they didn't wanna do it. For those people, we insisted that they wear glasses and double mask. And then the people that have been vaccinated just have to wear single masks. Uh, So it's it's being a little bit of a carrot and stick for those individuals uh, to want to get vaccinated.
3: I have all but one person vaccinated and that one was just really uncomfortable. She had a lot of questions about it. She's a front desk person. And she, she just didn't want to do it yet. So she's the only one out of eight people who hasn't been vaccinated and um, she just wears a mask all day and she's been fine. She's generally six feet away from everybody else. And I will say that in all this time, we haven't had one patient or one staff test positive for COVID. We just, I mean, Mark has said it before that it's really just the the odds of numbers where, you know, in New York, the numbers are relatively low. People mostly wear masks. So the chances of getting COVID in New York are, are on the lower side and we just wear a mask. We don't double mask. We don't wear visors or anything that way. I wear regular clothing in the office and I've done that since June, since I've been open. And we haven't had one person convert to positive. So um, I didn't mandate it, but I made it possible for anybody who wants it and for their spouses or significant others to get the vaccine
4: and all but one wanted it.
2: Okay, thanks. All right, Amy.
4: I would say my experience is similar to Joel's. I have 74 employees, although it was easier for me. I had 74 employees and 70 of them are vaccinated or in the middle of vaccination. Four had originally declined, but those two out of those did proceed. And that was with, I did send a letter um, and and made a little video myself that was sent to the staff about the science and why I thought it was important. Um, Then I followed up with, think about, I don't know, mid, late February. I basically said anybody who, that it was mandatory they had until March 15th to get their first injection. So of the four people, two are pregnant, one has had COVID and she's almost at the end of her pregnancy and she agreed to get uh, vaccinated after she after she has the baby. And the other one is pregnant and didn't have COVID but has trepidation and I feel exactly as Joel is I don't think there's enough data, and even though I've talked to a lot of pregnant people about it, and I myself would take it, I think that that's treading on a little bit of difficult uh, place. So the other two are, one is a 20-year-old girl who wants to get vaccinated, but her parents are against it. So she is currently trying to navigate that uncomfortable situation. Um, and trying to decide whether she would feel comfortable getting vaccinated without her parents knowing because they're very against it. However, she had COVID, so she's still not going to be whatever it is three. I think it's three months. Out. Days. Thirty days. What's ninety up?
0: days? Ninety day window after you've
4: been. Ninety days isn't up until March thirtieth, so we're going to give her a little time. Um, and then the other one, she is saying that it's for religious reasons, although she took the flu shot and she doesn't, she can't name the religion. So we have spoken with our attorney who recommends that <clears throat> we try to accommodate her religious issues if it is religious. And so we told her that she would have to double mask and wear like you said, Glex's, Um, and she said that that would be a HIPAA violation because then everybody would know that she was the only one that didn't take the vaccine.
5: Great question, David. I don't
4: think that's true. But the thing is
2: we're
4: going to go back, we're going to go back to our attorney. You could weigh in, please.
2: We have about 60 employees and we we have about five that are not vaccinated at this point. and a couple of them are, one's pregnant. I don't know, there's only one pregnant in my, and, she, and we, she has said she would not like to get it at this point. And we are okay with that at this point. Um, we have a couple that are, are, are they're not, they're, they're they're of color and they're afraid, even though we've educated them about that. And we've told them the statistics and the data and all that. And then we have one or two that are just, again, they are, they don't believe that this whole thing needs a vaccine and we're struggling. And these, some of these two in particular are very big time employees in my practice. So it becomes a, it's a dilemma and, and you know, we've talked about it a lot um, and so forth. So Mark and then David pipe in. After- so
0: we have, uh, I guess almost 700 employees. I don't know. And uh, we're in Florida, which creates all sorts of interesting issues, let's say. One of the interesting issues is trying to get a vaccine because our governor has done things in such bizarre ways that it opens things up so that the people who really need it, it's almost impossible to get online to get it. Although we have been- But Mark,
5: Mark, all of a sudden your governor now is more popular than the governor than Doris and I am.
0: Uh, well- You know, well, your governor got caught with his pants down, uh, you know, so anyway, let's not talk about that. Anyway, so so I think that that coupled with the fact that this is Florida still, and so we have actually about 25% of our employees who were refusing to get vaccinated, okay? And... Luckily, in my office, everybody who has patient care, my specific office, everybody has patient care responsibilities, whether it's research, all, and and by the way, all of our doctors are vaccinated. Um, and I think 95% of our PAs are vaccinated, and ARP. Um, the, you know, most of our MAs are vaccinated, although not all throughout our practice. It's really about front desk, um, back, etc., and And it, it actually creates uh, some issues with uh, different class of employees. I'm less concerned, certainly with uh, patient, with employees who don't have direct patient care, because yes, it, there is a, a risk within the, the practice for spreading it, but at least there is not a risk for employees to get it from a patient or give it to a patient, et cetera, in that case. Now, uh, as I said, this is Florida and we've got all sorts of reasons, a lot of which are political, um, not even justifiable. They're just refusing, outright refusing to do it. Uh, so a few employees certainly are pregnant and we've made a decision a long time ago that we weren't gonna push that uh, even though we brought out the science that we think it's safe um, you know, and we try to do it. Now, that being said, because of the data is not really clear on uh, transmissibility, even if you're vaccinated, meaning you know can you catch it and give it to somebody else? We're, we are concerned still about somebody you know spreading to family because one of the things that is not available certainly are family members um, for the vast majority of our employees to get vaccinated. So what I don't want to happen is somebody all of a sudden, even if they're vaccinated getting it and transmitting it so, in our office, anyway, we've, we're still using masks. We're still using shields. Uh, it's become the, the, really the nature. And our patients are actually more than happy with it. They are just flocking here saying, you know, we understand your office takes extra precautions. We appreciate that. And so I'll tell you, that's something until this thing really dies down. It's not a big deal from my perspective to wear a mask and a shield. They love it. I'm fine with it. You know, I, the way I look at it, nobody's gonna either get colds or flu or anything, you know, unless they get it from home. So it, you know, I've talked to David, I've talked to Michael uh, extensively about this, about what we do and, you know, we're, we're a big corporation. So we have corporate lawyers who are weighing in on both sides, meaning that, you know, part of a guideline, federal guidelines says you can enforce employees if you want to. Part of it says, well, maybe not. Um, and our lawyers are, you know, just kind of saying, well, you gotta be careful, try to coax them, drive them, et cetera. Um, I love what Joel did, you know, and, and what others have done in terms of really taking an initiative and educating those, you know, one-on-one. It's a lot harder when you have 600, 700 employees in different locations. You know, it's hard to even teach them how to do new E&M coding, forgetting about uh, talking about COVID. But, um, you know, this is something that we're still struggling with in terms of how we should enforce it and if we can enforce it. In the meantime, um, we are continuing, essentially, to do um, precautions with mass and shield throughout the practice. So that's kind of mitigating our, our decision making for what we should do at this point. So, and, and I know uh, we're Mark, waiting for david to come
2: down and yeah, take so it we, we we've we, both of us have spoken to david and and i i think everybody here knows my daughter Alyssa, and she's an employment lawyer for and works and represents the teachers in california so you know so this issue and I, we've spoken about as well at length um and you know the, it, it's a tough one so david what, tell us about you know, what's going on in your office, if you don't mind, and what you're doing, but then you know, is, is there any laws that we need to be aware of, and how do we approach this? So I,
5: I've listened to Amy and Joel and Mark and Doris, and um, I mean, you're all right. Um, yeah, so I, I'm going to talk first about the practice I'm in, and then the law, um, because I think they're both relevant. So as of July, as some of you know, um, I merged with Schweiger Dermatology Group in New York. Um, There are three of us that are medical directors. I'm one of them. This is a practice that is in New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, has uh, almost 400 providers. So that's doctors, PAs, NPs, um, and almost 1,000 employees, so a lot of people. Um, and they have compliance, and, and they have an attorney who works full-time, who I speak to every day. Um, and so today, I actually asked her how many people have been vaccinated among this entire group, because it's large. Um, 37% of the employees are now uh, vaccinated. And so whether that's MAs, PAs, NPs, nurses, apprentices, I can't tell you all of them, but 37%. Um, so part of that number is because those are people who wanted to be vaccinated, and, and part of why the number may be so low is because, as, as Doris knows, uh, it's not so easy to get, to get vaccinated in New York, New Jersey, and Pennsylvania, even if you want to. But that's the numbers. Having said that, um, in the three practices which I really directly oversee, two New Jersey, one in New York, um, we have PAs, uh, MAs, and front desk people who absolutely refuse to get vaccinated. Um, it's, it's not the docs, but we have some really high-quality PAs who, you know, whatever their political views are, they're not getting vaccinated. And so um, I, I in, t- in, t- in anticipation of this call tonight, I spoke to the compliance person at Schroger Dermatology about the law. Um, and so here's the deal. So first of all, you know, you have to go back to looking at your employees. Um, we all, all of us hire two different sets of employees. Um, one are what we call at-will employees. These are people who uh, do not have a contract. And so most commonly that's receptionists, some of the MAs. And then we have contracted employees, um, which are generally, you know, more administrative people, maybe some of the nurses, certainly the PAs, um, and certainly the docs, docs. So talking about at-will employees first, I mean, you can hire someone who is an at-will employee who doesn't have a contract, no matter what you want, whatever they, whatever you don't like. You don't like the way they smell. You don't like the way they dress. You don't like the way they talk you can fire them. You only cannot fire them if there's a discriminatory process associated with that. And that's based on race, religion, creed, a few other things. Um, And so I'll get to that in a second. So that group, if they refuse to get a vaccine, and and I would argue, like, we can't fire anybody at this point, because we, at least in New Jersey, New York, and Pennsylvania, not everybody who wants a vaccine could even get it. But we're going to get there in the next couple of months. So um, this group, if you don't, if they don't want to get the vaccine, and, and, and you want to fire them, unless they have one of these, you know, exceptions, you can fire them. Uh, contractual employees have a contract with you. That's generally more administrative people, uh, nurses, PAs, um, and there you're bound by the terms of the contract. And so for both groups, if either group says, and and, and Amy, I think you alluded to this, if either group says for religious reasons. I'm not getting the vaccine. In theory, you cannot fire them and you need to find some other role for them. In practicality, they have to prove that religion is a reason that they cannot get the vaccine. And that's gonna be, they're gonna be hard pressed to do that because there, there is to my knowledge, no religious reason for any vaccine that people cannot get it. If they argue for healthcare reasons, they can't get it. And that could be, and you've all alluded to this pregnancy, it could be that they are allergic to some product in any of the vaccines. Um, and I think the best example of that is you know those people who seem to have had anaphylactic reactions have had anaphylactic reactions to other vaccines. If that group says, "I'm not getting a vaccine because I've had an anaphylactic reaction, I have a doctor who attests to them," then you're going to have to find some other way to accommodate these people. Um, and you know, whether it means they work at home, as some of you alluded to, you find a different place for them, 60 feet apart from everybody else. You have to absolutely find a place for them.
3: David, does it matter uh, that this vaccine is emergency use authorized, not FDA approved? Does that ha- play into the legality of it in terms of trying to force someone to get it? Does that make a difference?
5: Zero, zero, role, okay, zero. Um, once the FDA says it can be used in any way at all, that, 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 that will never work, okay? They'll, they'll never win in court on that one. Um, so there, there are some exceptions. So, um, and so it, it's religion, hard pressed to prove. Uh, it well, is David, let usability. me just mention one
0: thing about religion, because this is interesting, because the Vatican just weighed in on this. I think it was in the very recently, uh, because there was a cell line, an embryonic cell line used for, I forgot which vaccine, I think it was J&J's, but I'm not sure. And they weighed in and said, you can get the vaccine. So I thought that was very interesting. Sorry, I didn't mean to. Yeah, I
5: know it is very, and remember the Pope got the vaccine, okay? So that's right. going to be a hard one.
0: Yes. Um,
5: and so, so in the end, you know, with the, without the, as long as you, you comply with the exceptions, which is religion uh, and disability, and again, because there's no issue with the vaccine in terms of race, religion, creed, outside of people who might be able to prove religion, which they're going to have a hard time doing it. So if they are an at-will employee, and again, look at your MAs, your front desk people, uh, if they don't get the vaccine and you want to fire them, good luck to them. They're never going to be able to sue you. Now let's get to the contractual employees. So this is generally David nurses David they, could,
4: David, they could sue you,
5: What they just- Well, <laughs> Amy, I think it's Amy. Oh, I can't see you. Um, anybody can sue anybody for anything, of course. I'm talking about winning a lawsuit. Oh yeah, come on, they're going to be lawsuits. No question about it. And, and you know, but, but you know, we, we, <laughs> this group on this call has been around for a long time. We've experienced humanity as it is. Uh, Anybody can sue you, there are all kinds of attorneys. The issue is, will you lose a lawsuit? And if you fire an at-will employee and you're non-discriminatory, and you fire them because they refuse to get a vaccine, and I'll get to how to deal with this in a second, but you fire them because they refuse to get a vaccine, good luck to them, they're never gonna win, okay? That's a fact. Now, if you have um, contractual employees, And this doesn't apply to most of us, but if they're part of a union, which really doesn't apply to this group, um, if they're part of a union, you know, and this is not in the union contract, which is not going to be, then they have a right to fight it. But I don't know of anybody in dermatology who has union employees. So I don't think that's going to get them anywhere at all. Um, One of the ways that we're dealing with the the Schwager Dermatology, and, and I think one of you alluded to this, is to try to convince people who don't want to get the vaccine, to do it. And, and there are a lot of ways to do that. One is, frankly, to offer them an incentive to get a vaccine. Um, and you know, it can be monetary. It can be more vacation time. Um, but to offer them something, and if they still refuse to say to them, well, if you're not gonna get the vaccine, then you are obligated to watch whatever video you wanna show them, There are a gazillion out there already, that show the safety of this, the data, the trials, and if they refuse to do that you could also fire them um and else I, I think you can explain certainly to providers who don't want to get the vaccine um you can explain to them that you're going to use this as a pr effect i mean can you imagine mark amy michael joel putting it on your website saying our our staff is fully vaccinated therefore your safety level is much higher so there are some benefits in that regard yeah,
4: we've had people call our office and ask that and we're making buttons to go on yeah, all right. The question it's is, you know, if, if you're
3: vaccinated, I don't, is there a safety level much higher because you can still transmit COVID. So like so, you get vaccinated, well, but nothing for, for, really changes. So first I don't one, know if we, you can we, really we make a safety we, claim. We
5: don't, we don't know that that's true. So okay, that's, but there is some data though.
0: There is data. Let's talk about the data because all the data comes right yeah. now of Israel. And Israel just published a really good study showing that that it seems that the transmissibility factor in other words, your ability to get something, not get sick, but get something and transmit it is much lower if you are vaccinated. Much lower. Is it right. zero? We don't okay, think it's but zero. You know what? But it's We've become
3: lower. a zero society. Like for some reason, people, you know, if, if you're young and healthy, your chances of dying of COVID are super, super low. And then it's reduced another 94% if you get the vaccine. And so- that's like essentially zero because your risk was your chances of getting very sick or dying were low to begin with. And Correct. yet people will still double and triple mask and not go out and not be social and be so afraid of it. Like, when did we become a society that had a zero to- risk tolerance? See, like, uh, we're all doctors. So, so we so know Doris, that people are diet.
5: Doris, do your comment. Yeah. Let, let me respond to Doris' comment. So uh, you're right. I mean, we're never going to be zero society but this is an emotional issue. I've been asked to address the legal issue, okay? I mean, they're very, they're very, very different issues. But we never to get to where there's zero. Let me go one step further, okay? Let's say you have a, an employee who refuses to get the vaccine, who then comes down with COVID, okay? Uh, and then infects other people. Uh, are you gonna be sued over this? Because that employee, and you're, you're the employer, right? That employee refused to get the vaccine. You know, you didn't fire that person. And the answer to that is that actually will be covered in a workings compensation. i assuming everybody has that. Yes,
0: <laughs> yes. Hey, so I, other, have, other I other, have a Dar- question. You mentioned something. I'm sorry, you mentioned something, you know, in terms of the, what's actually the data showing right now is asymptomatic younger people have a very high level of this chronic COVID up to 30 or 34% seem to have long-term Skip sequelae, meaning I don't have any symptoms, and all of a sudden, two or three months later, they come down with all sorts of things: brain fog, uh, joint pain, other things. So the idea that people, you know, aren't young people aren't getting sick or aren't getting symptoms, I'm seeing this in my practice. People who have said, you know, I have long-term COVID, who are young people, I was asymptomatic, etc. And the last data that's out says up to 34, 35 percent of individuals who are asymptomatic could have long term sequelae. So it's not as, you know, simple as, you know, it's very rare. And then if you get vaccinated, et cetera. I, I think that part of the issue that I have with young people is to say get vaccinated because it's going to prevent this this chronic COVID, you know, from from being a possibility or seems to. So, so we you know, we've done
5: the same thing up here. The long termers, whatever that term means, long termers, Mark's right. Um, there's a higher percentage of those than younger people. Uh, and, you know, that's devastating. And so we we yeah. talked to our employees about that as well.
1: David, David I have a, a question about employment. Um, if we want to say we will not hire an employee who has not been vaccinated, mm. as of this time, can we do that? And then the other question is, if at the end of the year, when we give out bonuses, we can, we uh, discriminate uh, based on those who chose to get vaccinated versus those who didn't, is that legal as well?
5: So two very different questions, Joe. One is, can you not hire someone if they choose not to get vaccinated, as long as they don't fit into those exclusions? That is, they say to you for religious reasons, which I can't, I can't, can't comprehend that one. But if they say for you for religious reasons or healthcare reasons that they didn't get it, then, then yes, they can sue you for not hiring them. Um, if you give a bonus at the end of the year for those who do not get vaccinated, I think it's a great idea. I mean, I'm sorry, the opposite. For those who do get vaccinated at the end of the year, I think it's a great idea.
4: What about allowing, not allowing anybody who wasn't vaccinated into the lunchroom? Do you think we can do that?
0: Absolutely.
5: Yeah, I, I don't think that's any, I mean, that's one step less than firing. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Because that's congregating. But then, they're,
2: but then they're going to come back and say, you discriminated against me. Well, but Ma-
5: Michael, no. how did you discriminate? Because they didn't get a vaccine? That's, yes. not, that's not discriminatory. OK. That's, you know, I, I think again, we'll, I, I what think it comes to, down I forgot who said it. Anybody can sue. I mean, that, that, that's not the issue here. Will they win? That's the issue.
3: You know, I, I really, I really think that in the end it comes down to education. You know, I have a small office, as you guys know, and I really sat down with every single employee as a group and then as an individual, and had a conversation with them about my questions about the vaccine. And I had many questions and concerns about the vaccine. We've talked about it on these calls, and I. I told them the the science research that I did, the people I spoke with, exactly what my concerns were about possible reactions and things that can happen down the road that it's emergency use not uh, authorized, not FDA approved, all of these different things. So I didn't come out as like, you know what, you have to get this vaccine, don't ask any questions, just follow the science and, you know, throwing it at them that way. And, you know, this one person who's still kind of holding out is now ready to, to like get a step closer to getting the vaccine but they're smart women and I have so much respect for them and I I get that people have fears of uncertainty and the unknown and when we put it into a context of a human conversation and human concerns and human fears and even just telling them what Mark said that you know you you may be worried about the vaccine but you know in the end I told them I was more worried about COVID than I was about the vaccine that the idea of being a long hauler and having these problems that you may not have right away but may come down the road why would you risk that when we have something? Enough people have had it at this point. So it's really just being patient and having that conversation and kind of coaxing them into it and going on the positive side rather than the threatening side, yeah. in my uh, view. And
5: so Dor- Doris is right. The problem is you're also dealing with some, and there are, some irrational people. So I, I think about this guy that I did moze in my South New Jersey office. I saw him last week. And I ask every patient, did you get the vaccine? He's 78 years old. I said, did you get the vaccine? His response was, I will never get the vaccine. And I said, why not? He said, well, you can't tell me what it's going to do to me in 20 years.
0: 78 years old, right?
5: (laughs) And 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 I said to him, I said, well, you're right. I said, okay, that's fair. But But you can tell him what
3: COVID will do to him in six months. Right. And and to Doris's
5: point, because she's right on point. To Doris's point, if you speak rationally to people, and they are rational... That, that's you know a requirement um, most people will comply
4: but it also it helps it with statistics though because one of my employees said i read that 965 people died from the vaccine so i said okay i'm going to take your number and i'm going to say we got 965 people who died from the vaccine you know out of i don't know how many people were vaccinated there's then, 100
0: million doses and, in the U.S. that have been given out. Right. Yeah, in the U.S. And alone, when, yeah.
4: When we when we did the math, the chance of getting COVID was about 500 times greater than the chance of having a, like, dying right.
0: Right. Well, First of oh, all, there's so, no so both documented Amy
5: and Doris case. are giving the argument, the rational argument to discuss with employees, which is, which is what they should do. You know, if but in the end, they're going to be those people who don't. But and David then, uh, unless they have exceptions you can fire right. them David it's interesting and, you know and we
2: will. it's interesting like' we're, and I'm I don't know where, where Joel is I mean here every everybody in the healthcare situation has a, has had access to the vaccine for months now and so right. so, so you know you're saying in New Jersey your your the Schweiger group has 37 percent you know, I mean that 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 such a low number to me, considering we're all in the high 90s, and so again, we get testing the fine. fact. <laughs> testing the fact that we thought
5: that, that you know our our government uh, was at the best, you know, maybe six months ago, and now so, I, you know huh. it is what it is. So know, we're, so we're actually going we're
2: actually if you get on the Tennessee vaccine tracker, we're listed. So we are, a, we are an approved Tennessee site to give COVID vaccines. Wow. So however, my
0: employees however,
2: however, it says out of stock, if you look at our site, because even with all the FDA studies that we have and all the temperature monitoring that the FDA requires for the refrigerators and freezers, which we have like 10 on each one, there's one that the state of Tennessee says, I don't have. And of course you can't just call and say, I need this tomorrow. So we're like three weeks into waiting for it and they said maybe this week or next week. Um, And so that's also what I'm hoping to convince the couple employees in our office because we're gonna offer it to everybody in our community. Um, and we've been told we're getting the Moderna one because of how the distribution's working. And, um, and we've, got it, we've got all the forms, we've got all the cards, we've got all the sheets of paper. We just don't, we, can't, we have to wait for one more thing, but I'm gonna use that as a educational tool because I think that's, as you all said, that's really important.
5: So I'm gonna give you an example. I, I have in New Jersey, uh, a PA and, and some of you know who she is. Um, she is one of the most productive Durham PAs in the entire country. She makes more money based on percentage than most dermatologists. She has certain political views. She refuses to get a vaccine. Um, and you know the issue is: do I fire her? Do I deal with her? And and I don't have the answer. But you know i am given the legal stuff. Here's the practical stuff.
2: So what do you what do you so what do you say to yourself in like three or four months when they, when they're the So the I, main, I
5: talked second. to her about it. She said, "Look, she said, I'm 33 years old." I'm not high risk. Um, and so I said to her, I said, and she has kids who are like, I don't know, five and seven. I said to her, you know, your kids in a couple of years may very well be required to get the vaccine to go to public school. That's a fact. Uh, and she said, well, then let them get it. I'm not getting it. And so,
4: what do you you know, think? so
5: I'm, I'm just giving to practical, real life stuff. I don't know how to deal with this.
4: I'm curious to, to see what people think um, about. I think it says a lot about our society though. What I try to explain to people is that, you know, it isn't only about you, obviously. The whole point of it is like the whole world is trying to race towards getting as many people vaccinated as possible so that it doesn't mutate to a point where now we need another vaccine. Absolutely. Or we wipe out half the population. Can't you do your part? Does everything have to be only about me? I'm getting a little tired
5: um, and I who mean, cares, not, if, you need, who cares if you need a
4: booster You don't have to be a socialist.
5: Right. Like and no. who cares if you need well, a booster the problem child. with Amy Talbot, she's not a millennial. That's the problem. Yeah, but who you cares if you need a booster You can't
4: drive when you drink. You have to wear your scrubs when you come to the office. You're supposed to be on time. I have to get a flu vaccine to be on staff at the hospital. We live with all kinds of rules that are required for safety and health of others.
3: I Amy, mean, I think you're right. I think that's the problem with vaccine is that it was politicized. You know, in the right. beginning, it was like um, people wouldn't get it because it was a Trump vaccine. And, you know, even Biden in an interview, when they asked him if he would get it, he's like, I don't know. I need to see the data. And people get marked by this. And then, then on the other side, they're like, I don't know. It's a Biden vaccine. I don't trust it. And unfortunately, medicine and science has become political. You, you see articles published in our journals that have to be retracted. So, it's, it's unfortunate, but I, I can't even have a conversation. I feel like if I ask questions or question things, people then I have to justify it and go, oh, no, but I had the vaccine or, or I, I would do this. It's, it's not that I'm, I'm an anti-vaxxer or anti-anything. I, you, you can't just ask a question without having to rationalize your point of view as a scientist and a physician. It's, it's really a very strange time.
5: So, 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 so Doris, let, let's talk about the politics and the legal issues. And so, and, and she's right, you know, most hospitals will not let you have hospital privileges unless you get the flu vaccine. Right. And that's just a given, okay? Whether, you know, I'm in Hackensack, I'm on Mount Sinai, can't, can't even be on staff unless I prove I've gotten the flu vaccine. Well, the same thing is going to apply to the coronavirus vaccine. And yet people have this uproar, and I suspect in five years it's going to cease to exist. But it's, it's political. That's, that's really the problem.
1: I do think that at some point, there are going to be enough screws that we can tighten across society to make people do the right thing. Yeah, whether I think it's, so. Whether it's you can't go on that plane flight or you can't go on that cruise or you can't uh, do something with the office like you, you know, uh, without your mask off, et cetera, et cetera. So we
2: just, got, we just got a notice from, Cindy and I have had a cruise postponed as many of you had trips postponed. Um, till next Christmas time. And we've already gotten a letter from the cruise company um, that without proof of vaccine, we're not allowed on board. But
3: Joel, I think the reason is that. Once, the, once this vaccine is out for a year and everyone sees that people have had kids and nobody's grown extra arms and legs and nothing has fallen off from the vaccine, once it's out for a period of time and people see that it's safe and it has that longevity, I think people will get more comfortable with it. Um, so, But I, I agree with Amy 100%. We, we need as many people as possible to get vaccinated, to get this under control. You know what I think about? I think about polio and how devastating that was and how helpful that vaccine was. And it's kind of pointing out to people what vaccines do, how far we've come with the science and technology that we can develop a vaccine this quickly. And as a a world, scientific world, we came together to develop this vaccine. It's really incredibly brilliant. Technology, science, dedication, all put together. Um, And the fear is just of the unknown with time. So I think by this time next year, it should be mandatory. I know I can't. Get, I have to get my flu vaccine, and I'm grateful for it. I'm grateful for this vaccine. But it took me a while to understand that and get there. And I think we just have to have patience with people to get them there too. I was assuming they're Doris, rational, to, right. That's that's why to
5: bring we this course. home, to bring this home, to bring this home, Michael Gold, your father, who recently passed, is responsible for a vaccine we have. And I'll never forget my conversation with him a little bit over a year ago uh, about the vaccine that he developed. Okay he's responsible for and the resistance to that and doris is right this will change people will come to accept it yeah, but, and this will be a moot point but right it's now it's a real issue
2: it's a real issue because you know again he was part of the that project and you know the, the that whole mmr causing autism which is you know again and you can believe it or not believe it but the science isn't there and so right. and um and so yeah it's a. Uh, so yes. so that that's important to
0: understand that there is a percentage of the population, independent of COVID vaccine, who will not be vaccinated. No. And it won't allow Correct. the kids to be vaccinated and keep them out of school, et cetera. And, and whether, that's not gonna change. Know, and that's not gonna change. It's not gonna change for COVID. It's not gonna change for anything. The question is what percentage of population that is? And that's really not clear. You know, it, it's not that small. It, you know, and it also depends upon the states. California, it's much higher than in other states. It really depends upon the and in and in,
2: and in certain and in certain clusters
0: right however it's very clear that um it's been mandated that childhood vaccines are absolutely mandated for to go to public school so that this there has been a you know uh an armament you know for vaccines that's been you know very very lawfully uh shown that you can force people to do it or keep them away from certain vital activities if they if they won't do it.
4: Yeah, in Israel, yeah. the government, they're having protests there right now for the, from the people who won't get vaccinated because they haven't mandated the vaccine, but what they've done is given them this green passport that allows them to go to concerts, sporting events, out to dinner, and so anybody that doesn't have a green passport, they're saying that they are discriminating against them. There are people who are
3: not anti-vax, they'll get other vaccines, but they are just a little bit concerned about this vaccine. But
2: when will they, they stop, Dora? When will they stop? I mean, again, the vaccine- I, I think the, it's the in first, a year the, when it's
3: been out for a while.
2: But the first approval of this vaccine was the end of, was in November-ish or whatever. Yeah, first yeah, in yeah. arms was like around December. So we're at four and a half months and 100 million people have gotten a vaccine and nobody has died. Right. Well,
0: nobody's you know. been shown to die. A lot of people have died who have gotten the and vaccine, but none to... of the vaccine. No. So let's be clear. That's normal. But, this but won't make it, you. This vaccine data, doesn't make you immortal. Right. If you look at the data over time, more and more people are accepting the vaccine. That's, exactly. That's, been shown that's what I'm saying. It's political because, you know, more Democrats are, are saying, yes, than Republicans, but it's still, and actually the African American community is still very doubtful of the vaccine as well, yeah. but it is going up across the board. So and I think time with time on, we'll
3: see that continue right, I just I, I think agree. that with time people will start to feel left out if they don't have it just because um they're going to just be more vulnerable they're going to see that people who've gotten the vaccine are thriving and they're doing fine you know I I don't know about you what you see in your practice but since the vaccine has become more broadly available m- more and more people are like clamoring to get in because they have a sense of freedom that like they have this vaccine they have this protection and they they want to get out again so they're there is something that's liberating about having the vaccine that kind of will eventually overpower the fear of the vaccine. Okay. But in my office, people are so so grateful for it and really happy.
2: I think so there's going to, the to the be, vaccine, I think to the there's the going be a vaccine passport. I really Bye. think I think that's coming and that's going to be a major thing again for me, who you all know travels like a madman who doesn't want to leave anymore. Um, that's going to be my comfort level. So oh, you true. Know,
1: I think this has been an incredible uh, turnaround in the practice in the last couple of weeks actually. So we had a very slow uh, January and February this year and then when when we had this, uh, I think this change where we were a year yeah. out and all that, we had so many people coming in for fillers and Botox and, and things like that. It's going to be a phenomenal March for us. And I had no expectation that was going to happen. So Uh, I think we're on target with that as
2: well. We had had a snow week last month. So our our number, for us to have a snow week is not normal, but a whole week off.
4: Our cosmetic right now is up 20%. Over yeah, I have no idea what's going on.
2: And this month too, Joel, for us, I mean, just March, uh, cosmetically, we we've already done more than we did last month, and medderm wise, we're almost at the same numbers as last month, and it's only. Just
0: remember, same. historically, after the pandemic of nineteen nineteen, there were the Roaring Twenties. So people just, you know, went crazy after that and said, "I'm free and, <laughs> and I can do anything." So, no,
3: but I'm it's waiting something for those about the vaccine.
0: to come back. <laughs>
3: yeah. Well, yeah, we'll see. Um, but I, I do think that there there is that sense of euphoria, of feeling protected, like I survived this. And everybody knows somebody who has gotten very ill or succumbed to COVID. And so I don't think people don't take it seriously. I certainly take it very seriously. But I, I think there's a difference between taking it seriously and then going to an extreme of panicking about seeing somebody without a mask or, um, or that, that one person who isn't fully compliant. I I, I feel like we have some room now to have some patients because we know enough about it that, um, that I I think we can, we can have more conversation and less just outright fear.
1: We're very fortunate because uh, we didn't get any, any COVID in the, in the clinic, but I have to say that now that we have we have been vaccinated? It's it's a liberating feeling to be able to to not worry so much. And I, I can tell you, it's such a great difference because before, when somebody every time somebody had a procedure, removed the mask, it was like I had a ticking time bomb there. Now I can be a little bit more relaxed. But you know, it it still is concerning for those individuals in my practice who haven't been vaccinated. And, some of them for very good reasons. They're right. they're early in their pregnancies and they didn't want to be vaccinated at that point, and I, I get that. But you know, still, it is a little bit. Concerning. Yeah, we worried
2: about we worried about every upset stomach and any every runny nose for the whole last year. We don't worry as much anymore. This was great. I, again, I think I always say this is a great group. We talk honestly. We talk openly. And we talk about events that are important. So you know, we, the fillers and um, and and the and the, um, and, and the employment, I think, is huge.
0: My, Michael, I, I want to stop right there. Has anybody seen filler reactions to the vaccine in their practice? No. I I have not either. And I'm just I'm just curious, you know, because we all have huge filler practices. So I'm just curious as to you know how and, and all of our patients now have been vaccinated. You know, a lot of our, my patients have been vaccinated. So I'm, I'm just curious as to you know what the incidence, I think it's very, very
1: low.
2: Yeah. It's got to be what it's got to be. Seen, gotta...
1: Oh, sorry, what we've seen is a person who had COVID and then their fillers blew up for about really? a week or two.
0: With um, COVID?
1: Yes, uh, about a month after COVID, their fillers had uh, some swelling. What I've also seen is that when we talk to them about the risk of fillers and uh, vaccines, they seem to not care one bit. It's like, just just put it in, doc, I don't care.
4: (laughs) Yeah, that's good.